star out there this morning. Little smiles on your faces or something. You know, joy. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Joy. Joy. Found only in Christ Jesus, joy. Let's pray. Let's just pray. Lord, we want to focus on you. We want to discover this morning again what is really the meaning of this season. What is it you want us to find in it? What is it ours to experience? What is it ours to claim? What is in it that we are to share with others? What is it that's going to be discovered in this season that's going to shape us in the likeness of Christ? So we turn to your word, Lord, and we want your word to do your work in our lives. We want you to speak to us clearly this morning. May we have ears to hear and hearts to receive and a will to practice the truths that you would lay upon us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I guess where I was coming from with those kind of side comments was that when I go through the shopping center or the grocery store or sometimes uh, even in gatherings that, uh, where Christians come together to, to celebrate Christmas, the, the expression of joy isn't always there. <laughs> it's like, you know, something's been lost or forgotten and, uh, and I just want us this morning to turn to that place in the scriptures where there was the pronouncement of joy and the reason for the joy that we uh, would find in this season and find not only for these four weeks in Advent, but to be found to be a part of our everyday life. I'm going to start with the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. I'm just going to read it, and you can follow along. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. 
and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I believe we have just read from Luke's Gospel one of the most familiar passages to church and unchurched alike. For the unchurched, there is the acceptance of a secular message to be found as they, the world about us celebrates or at least recognizes, observes Christmas. Uh, the world incorporates our Christian vocabulary and merchandising the season. There are banners and placards and Christmas cards and Pinterest and all kinds of things that just uh, promote the words and phrases synonymous with the emotions of Christmas as we observe the Advent season. Words like love, joy, peace, all sentiments commonly spoken this time of year. We hear it everywhere we go. We see it just about everywhere we turn. The greetings and acts of kindness that promote general goodwill and happiness are certainly appreciated, but the fact is that so often the real reason behind true joy and true peace and true love is not mentioned. Now for the church, you and me, the emphasis goes beyond the feelings and the emotion of the season. Christmas is recognized as a time to remember the first advent, God's first coming through the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yet we as Christians can often lose the significance of our observances simply because we are so, so familiar with the traditions and the stories and the scriptures that are there to remind us of our hope and our peace and the joy that is to be promised through the gift, the incredible, the indescribable gift that God made, gave, had given to you and to me and to the world alike. How many times have you read this passage of scripture or have heard it or been pointed to it through tableau scenes, Christmas plays, and even sermons preached? Pointing us to remembering this scene it's as, as it's been saved for us in, in God's word. Our familiarity with the story, I just trust and pray that it will not diminish the desire to truly capture the truths and the applications that are found in this beautiful account of the experiences of those who first witnessed the birth of our Savior. Their experience should be our experience as well. We have a tradition at our home uh, when we celebrate Christmas uh, with the kids and grandkids. Uh, we'll get out the, the gospel and either read from Matthew or Luke's gospel. This Christmas story, this Christmas story. And, and I have to confess that as I read it, uh, there is sometimes uh, a difficulty to see the page because of the the moisture in the eyes and the lump in the throat uh, just kind of 
kind of comes over me because I, I love the story so much. But I also have to confess that I, I sometimes uh, I'm a bit emotional. I get excited when I see the uh, 57 Chevrolet wagon coming down the street and the lady is all excited about all the people that gather around her. You see the Chevy advertisement on TV, you know what I'm talking about? You haven't seen that one? How about, how about the Publix food advertisement where they've got the snowman in the window and the little girl wants to... I, I get a lump in the throat and tears in the eye. Christmas has a way of doing that to me. Good feelings have a way of doing that to us. Acts of kindness, all those things that just resonate with the season, brings upon us emotions that we typically don't experience throughout the year. And I hope more than an emotion, but truly as a gift to be received this Christmas for you and for me is the joy that's wrapped up in this indescribable gift, Jesus Christ. This passage seems to be such a a comforting and warm, hope-filled message. But as I've read it over and over and over this this week in preparation for for the message, I discovered something really unique. The contrasts of the emotions and the experiences that are in place so that we can recognize the true meaning of joy, of what's behind this celebration of Christmas, the birth of Christ. Let me just kind of walk you through it if you just uh, want to follow along here a little bit to see what I found out by just reading it over and over. We got the darkness. And then there is this all-encompassing light that just shatters the darkness. The shepherds are watching, looking into the darkness of night, possibly aided only by the, the, the yellow glow of a campfire. They're sentries. They're watching over their sheep, protecting them from the possibility of harm from a beast or a man. They're doing their duty. And then the flickering flames will be swallowed up by the appearance of a messenger from the Lord manifesting God's glory. And we read, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And I love that, I love that imagery. It's, it's more than just the angel and, and the light around him. This light is so great it even encompasses and surrounds the shepherds. They are absorbed in the light and the glory of God. Then we have the, the contrast of these men who are rejected, but then later are accepted. They're actually appointed for a particular task. William Barclay, in his commentary, points out that shepherds in the time of Jesus were despised by the religious leaders of the day. That's simply because they weren't able to, to maintain all the, the details of the, the, the sacrimonial washings, the cleansing, being kept clean, obeying and being truthful or true to the rules and regulations of the law, simply because of the charge that was theirs as taking care of sheep. Have you ever been around sheep? They are not clean. They're dirty, smelly creatures. And these men have been entrusted to care for them. 
They were pretty much a, a, an overlooked bunch, ostracized, marginalized, set aside by man. Yet the announcement of the birth of the king first came to these who were rejected by man. And they were appointed by God to be messengers of the good news. They were to be the heralds of the reason for joy. We read that they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child as they came upon the scene itself in the presence of Joseph and Mary. And then after that time around the manger, and then having to return, we read, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They are heralds of the good news. Rejected, but then appointed. The stillness of a night, the quietness of a night, shattered by praises. The silence of a night is soon filled with the voice of a, of a heavenly choir. And again we read, and suddenly there was, an angel, there was an angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And I can only imagine they weren't whispering that message. Have you ever been to a, a concert or been to a, a place where they play real loud music and just happen to be standing in front of the speaker? And your clothes are vibrating. That's what I picture when these, when these angels are shouting the good news. The, the, the hair is being blown back on the shepherds and their, and their robes are flapping in the wind as they hear this great news. From despair to renewed hope. Under the rule of foreign power, subjecting the same sense, senses and tax that brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, Marginalized because of their vocation, it would have been hard life for these shepherds. Their hope, longing for the one who would deliver them and their people, who would deal with all that they had to cope for and the hard and difficult life that they were living. The conditions were deplorable. And then they hear, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people, for you shepherds and everybody else in the face of this earth. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Hope once lost, hope now restored, found, as there has been the message of a Savior, a message of the expected King, the Messiah. Unbelievable to belief. Startled by the explosion of light, the proclamation delivered by the messenger from God, resounding praise that filled the night sky, and good news that the promised deliverer and savior had come. Now, just put yourself in the place of the shepherds here. You, you are just been rattled by all this, and, and you've just received the message and, they, and the, heaven, the heavenly body, the angels, have returned to heaven. And now you're standing there again in stillness. And your mind is spinning. And you're trying to make sense of all that has just happened. There may be the thought, 
Can this really be? A question of, is it believable? And in haste, they respond to that very question. The shepherds look to one another, let us go to over Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. What had seemed at one time unbelievable is now before them the facts. It is believable. It's just like the angel said. Great fear and great joy. Shaken by the visitation from a messenger of God, fear struck the heart of of the shepherds. But it also shook, shook the heart of a Joseph who was comforted at night by simply saying, do not fear. It shook the heart of a Mary as Gabriel came to her and said, do not be afraid. The message was to calm the fears of those who were wrapped up in this birth of a child, the announcement of a child's birth, all playing a part on that first Christmas. So in the midst of confusion and uncertainty and darkness and silence and loneliness and fear, God's message to the shepherds was, don't be afraid. Good news. Your deliverer has come to give you peace and a real reason for joy. It's such reassuring, comforting story. I think that could possibly be considered as a a script for the Hallmark Channel. But it's much more than just a feel-good favorite Christmas story. It's an account of a loving God who comes to us when we are hurting, suffering, doubting, struggling, anxious, lost, and alone. To deliver us from the darkness of this world, the pain that is ever-present, and the heaviness of life itself. That's where he comes in. Some of the most deep experiences, valleys of despair. That's when God comes to rescue and to restore and to bring joy. The message that the shepherds received that night is the same message for us today as we deal with the challenges and the difficulties and disappointments and hurts and sorrows in life. Now, it may not be delivered to us in the same way. <laughs> we may not discover that joy by somehow this morning or later tonight, uh, the heavens just explode with God's presence. But I assure you, the message of joy comes. Sometimes it comes as a whisper from God himself through the voice of a friend, of a parent, of a teacher, of a pastor who loves you and is is encouraging you, walking with you, accompanying you through these difficult times to give you godly counsel that you may discover again what God has had has offered to you time and time and time again. And that's the assurance of his presence, his joy, your joy. If you've been there, 
You may turn to God's word to be refreshed and to be re- restored in a faith of a God who keeps his word and brings us hope and peace and joy and love. Joy comes to us in some of the most unexpected ways. James in James 1.23 writes, Count it all joy, my brothers, when your trials of various kinds for you, knowing that the tests of your faith produces steadfastness. Joy comes to us in some of the most difficult times to grow us in the faith to help us maintain a life in Christ. I was with a lady at the Advent Christian Village uh, during our pastorate there, and she had just lost her husband. And I went to comfort her. And I asked, I asked her, how, how are you doing? And she quoted a portion of a psalm. It's actually Psalm, 20, psalm 30, verse 5. She says, Ron... Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. She knew where to find what she needed for that particular experience, that event, that tragedy in life. She knew where real joy rested. It was the one who was beyond the grave. It was the one who was the conqueror of death. It was the one who delivers life to be found in Christ. On another occasion, a dear, dear friend of ours, I was with her in the last days of her life. And she shared with me that uh, it's interesting that so often when you preach a funeral, somehow Psalm 23 is incorporated in in the message. And this, this dear lady said, Psalm 23 is her favorite psalm. It's her favorite passage in scripture. And she said, but in that psalm is my favorite verse. And it is, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That was her hope. That was her peace. That was her joy. I have a a band that I wear all the time, and it simply says, pray without ceasing. That's the middle verse of three verses that appear in 1 Thessalonians. uh, I think it's chapter 7. Chapter 5, verses uh, 16 through 18. To remind me, it begins, rejoice always. (laughs) I don't always do that. But it's supposed to remind me to rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will in Christ Jesus for you. I've got to be reminded of that. I've got to be reminded of that. Rejoice always. Jesus reminded his disciples of that. He's in the upper room. He's with them in his last hours of his life. And he says to them, These things I have spoken to you that your joy may be in you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Great promise. 
But you know where that verse appears? It appears right after Jesus told his disciples about abiding in the vine. You see, for that joy to be ours, there is a connection here. There is a belonging here. There is, there, there, there is the, the uh, grafting into the very life that Christ promises. We are to be as a branch in the, in the vine to bear much fruit. And as we abide in him, then, then we can say that his joy may be in us and that his joy will be full. A little bit later in that upper room, Jesus is again talking to his disciples. And he says to them, so also you have sorrow now, remembering that these were his last hours with his, his followers. But I will, say, I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. What a promise. In that day you will ask nothing of me, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, it will be given to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. And then he says, ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Two simple, two simple things we need to do to discover, to experience, and to maintain the joy of Christ in our hearts is first, abide. Abide in him. And second, ask. Ask whatever you will in his name and your joy will be full. I want to read a closing passage here uh, from Peter's letter to the church. A suffering church. A church going through persecution. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with the joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I like the King James when he says, joy unspeakable. As we cling to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, to give us the peace and the joy to experience life as it's to be experienced in his name, as we await for not just uh, Sunday after Sunday, but for his coming again, for him to fulfill the promise, our hope, that's where we find our joy of what is to come. That is our completed joy in him coming Again, and that joy is unspeakable, unspeakable. So I say to you, as I said last time I shared with you, may the God of our hope 
fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit in you may abound in hope. Amen.